Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of Saddest Night Out. My name is Roy, and I am the host of this daily podcast, which is all about music and creative culture in London. Whew! Well, folks, we all knew yesterday was going to be something special, and something special it certainly was. So let me try and take you through it from A to Z. I arrive at the London Stadium a little later than planned. I got off at Pudding Mill Lane, which is a DLR station. I think most people, when they're going to London Stadium, they get off at Stratford. And so you'll see a massive crowd all heading en masse to the stadium. I got off at a different station, hoping to get there a bit quicker. I had no idea what I would expect upon entry. Just that my name had been put on the list, on the guest list, for free entry. So I go to one entrance, and they tell me, no, this is like for staff. You have to go around to a different bridge. So I walk for what feels like an eternity. All sorts of thoughts and anxieties and excitement building up. Get to an entrance. They tell me to go to the ticket office. I say I'm here on the guest list for a star crawler. They ask my name. They look around. They're like, is it standing or sitting? I say, I, I, we can't see your name anywhere. And I'm starting to panic thinking my day's already over. That's it. Time to go home. I knew it was too good to be true. Oh, well, thanks anyway. But then it turns out there was a piece of paper right under the person's arm that had my name in capitals right there. And they're like, oh, sorry about that. I had one job to do. So they gave me a choice between standing and sitting. And I kind of, I panicked a little. And then I text my friend who was going to be my plus one, Yara. She didn't get back in time. So I made a on-the-spot decision. I chose seating. They gave me a ticket. They wrote Yara's name on another ticket because she couldn't get out of work early enough. So she would come later. I told her her ticket's waiting for her. So you walk around the stadium on the outside, and there are different entry points in alphabetical order. There's B, there's C, there's D, etc. And I believe I was entry point E. All the other entry points are just doors that you walk through. When I got to mine, there were people in suits, security outside. And I thought, oh boy, what have I let myself into? They asked to see my ticket. I showed it to them right this way, sir. I walked through. Then the next entrance, it felt as though you were getting on a plane or something. There were about four or five people, again, smart people in suits, stood around asking, hi there, wait, wait, what, can I see a ticket, please? Let me help you. And again, I'm thinking, what have I walked into? Because I'm, of course, wearing my now rather faded blue trousers and very wrinkled white shirt. And I clearly don't look like I belong in this type of area. But they showed me through. Then I went to another door, two folks asked to see my ticket again, and that's when I got given a green wristband, and I entered what you'll hear me mention later in the episode, what I, just a really fancy bar. I looked around, felt very out of place, but I I kept, I laughed at my, to myself pretty much the entire day. You come out of the bar, and you are in the stands of, because the London Stadium is typically a football stadium, it's the home of West Ham Football Club. You come out of the bar, you're in the stands. And the place is huge. Capital H, capital everything else, huge. Come out, I go to where my seat is, and I have a really nice view of the stage. But I'm wondering, does that mean I have to stay in that seat the entire day? So I go down the steps towards the the ground of the stadium, essentially where the football pitch would be, right to the ground level. And I ask, can I go onto standing? And they say, yeah, sure, you've got the right bracelet, you can go wherever you want. And I think, oh, yeah. So, of course, I walked straight to the front of the standing area. It's still early in the day. The doors open at three. This is maybe about quarter past four at the latest. So the place is still mostly empty. 
I walked to the front. There's already a few people around the barrier, so you can't get right to the barrier, but I got just behind someone. But then I saw there was another area, like, uh, right in front, in front of the stage, there was another area there. So I thought, hey, the guy said I've got the right bracelet, so I can walk in anywhere. So I walked up to them and said, hey, I've got this wristband, wristband is the real term, I think. got this wristband, can I go in that area? The people weren't sure, they asked what I guess was the supervisor, and he said, no, I'm afraid you can't. And I said, oh, okay, where does this let me go? He said, you can go anywhere on the standing, and you can, you know, you have a, if you have a seat, you can go to that as well. But this area is for people who got here especially early. It doesn't matter which type of wristband you have. It's just if you got here particularly early, you get another wristband that lets you in this very front area. Okay, no problem. Fair enough. So I go, I'll take a little walk around just to get an idea of if there's anywhere I can get closer to the stage. And there isn't really. So facing the stage, I am to the right of it at the very front of the second barrier. And it's there that I watched Starcrawler. I sent Henry a message, because Henry, the guitarist of Starcrawler, is the reason I'm at this show in the first place. If you haven't listened to a previous episode, I interviewed Starcrawler on Wednesday of this week, so that would be episode number 77. And I brought a copy of their vinyl record with me, hoping to get them to sign it. When I last saw them, I've seen them about... F- I had seen them four times as of Wednesday. And yes, folks, there's going to be another long intro, but hopefully it's an entertaining tale. I saw Starcrawler for the fourth time on Wednesday, and I, the, third, the third time I saw them, the guitarist, Henry, and the bassist, Tim, signed my copy of their vinyl album. And I was hoping to get their drummer, Austin, and their singer, Arrow, to sign it on Wednesday. I forgot to ask. Henry sent me a message saying, I'm free to talk now, after their Wednesday gig, and I said, I'm already on my way home, but I forgot to ask if you could if the rest of you could sign the album, any chance I could see you on Saturday, because I knew they were supporting the Foo Fighters. Did I mention I saw the Foo Fighters? (laughs) I think I might have skipped that part in this whole intro. So he replied saying, do you want to come to the Foo Fighters gig? And I was like, are you serious? Really? What? And he said, yeah, sure, I'll get you VIP access so we'll be able to get into an area where we can finish our conversation. I was like, thank you so much. So that's why I was on the guest list. That's why I was at this show in the first place. Otherwise, I would not have come. I don't tend to go to arena shows because the ticket prices tend to be a little bit out of my of my budget. So I sent Henry a message saying, "As you, from your point on the stage, I'll be to the left. I'll be the person screaming his lungs out. And when they started, I got an impression of what it is like to support a big act at a venue like this. Yes, it's awesome exposure. You get to play in a massive venue to a potentially massive crowd. But... Most of this audience is here for the headline act. This is the type of show where I think most people are outside the stadium hanging around the food and beer carts waiting for Foo Fighters rather than being in the stadium watching the support acts. The support acts, by the way, Starcrawler were first, Slaves were second, and The Kills were third. But I had a whale of a time watching Starcrawler. I was intrigued because I know in the other shows I've seen them at much smaller venues, much more intimate Arrow and Henry in particular really get into it with the crowd. Arrow tends to run through the crowd when they play Chicken Woman. Henry tends to either give his guitar to a member of the audience to play as he walks off, or he just gets into the crowd and plays himself. Now, obviously, on a stage this large and with a big gap between the stage and the audience, they couldn't quite do that. But Arrow did jump off the stage and kind of muss around a bit with the people in the front row, which I found incredibly entertaining. I don't know if the people in the front row felt entirely the same way. But honestly, that's their loss. So I really enjoyed seeing them. I sent Henry a whole bunch of messages saying they rocked. One of the messages, I believe, said, Arrow versus the front row. Flawless victory to Arrow. 
and I also said, I yelled Tim, because Tim's the bassist, and I like, he's, his is the easiest name to yell, so I tend to yell his name, and I can see from the stage that he appreciates the love. So I tried to yell his name again, I, I think he looked up, I'm not sure if he heard me though. And I sent all these messages to Henry, basically saying it was a great show, and I said, I'll hang around to watch Slaves, but if you want to meet up, just send me a message. And it was before Slaves started that I talked to the first guests of this episode. They are Joe and Kath. Now, their voices are a little bit similar, but Joe is the person who got stuck in Florida before one of her attempts to see Foo Fighters in the past, and Kath is the person who had her first gig seeing David Bowie. They were two people who were just near me at where I was stood for Starcrawler. In fact, Kath was stood right in front of me, and I apologised to her. I said, I'm afraid for the next 20 minutes I'm going to be screaming your ear off while Starcrawler are playing, because they are the main reason I'm here. And there was a slight moment of, wait, don't you like Foo Fighters? I said, yeah, yeah, I like them as well. And I said, oh, good, because if you didn't, I said, no, no, don't worry. I'm a fan of Foo Fighters too, but Starcrawler are the main reason I am here. So before Slave started, I got to talking to Joe and Kath and found out a little bit about the dynamic between the different generations and music tastes and also a bit about their history of seeing live music. Because as I say to them, I'm not very familiar with seeing artists and venues of this size. This was all very new to me. So it was nice to hear a bit from people who are more used to this type of situation. After them, I went back to my seat, and that's when I finally received a whole bunch of WhatsApp messages from my guest, Yara. I guess when I was down on the floor, my phone signal wasn't great, but they all came flooding through. She had arrived, but didn't know where to get the wristband, so I went out to meet her and brought her back with me. No, I stand corrected. First, I saw Slaves, who were fantastic as well, and... Fans of the podcast might remember that I talked to Isaac, who is the drummer for Slaves, on episode 44. They were absolutely fantastic. And then after Slaves, I went back to my seat, and that's when I got the messages from Yara. And I met her, brought her to the seat. We were hanging out for a bit. And then I spotted Sean Keaveney of BBC Six Music, the radio station. He was heading back to the bar. And I said to Yara, oh my god, that's Sean Keaveney. I recognised him, and I told him this off mic. I recognised him from his beard. He has quite the lustrous, elder statesman beard situation going on. It really is a sight to behold. I highly recommend checking it out. I recognised him. He was a few rows in front of us, and he was heading back to the bar. So I said to Yara, look after my bag. Didn't think twice, just followed him to the bar, then introduced myself and asked if I could talk to him. And I mentioned how I'd spoken to Steve Lamack already, and I seemed to be just collecting... <laughs> presenters from Six Music, and he said, sure, not a problem, thank you very much for that, Sean, that was very kind of you, I'm always nervous when I approach well-known people about being a nuisance, so I always make it clear to them, if they don't want to talk, that's perfectly fine, I don't want them to feel obliged or handcuffed into or anything, but he was perfectly happy to, we had a great conversation, so that was conversation number two, and then I noticed that some of the members of Slaves were in the bar, so I went back to Yara, who's a massive Slaves fan, and felt very bad that she had to miss both Starcrawler and Slaves because of work, and told her, come to the bar with me because Slaves are in there. So we went up to the bar, we went up to the bar, hope I'm not talking too fast, by the way, it was a very exciting day, I might be jumbling my words a little, we went back to the bar, 11 minutes, oh, oh my god, we went back to the bar, and as soon as he went through the door, I saw Harry from the band Free Money, So I said hi to him, and I've also spoken to him before in episode 44 of the podcast, the same episode when I spoke to Isaac, because he's quite good friends with Isaac. And he remembered me as well, which is always, again, I always feel a bit nervous that I'm a nuisance, but him being like, hey, how are you doing? was relaxed me a little bit. So I talked to him a bit, 
when he headed back to some of his friends because he was part of the slaves' crew. I guess when you're performing, you get quite a few plus ones, etc. You get a bit of a guest list, you can bring some friends. And that's where all of them were at that point. So I said hi to Harry. He brought over Sam, also from the band. Young, uh, young money, free money. So I spoke to him as well. Then Isaac saw me and recognised me, said hi. He came over, we talked a little bit as well. Then I asked if they'd seen Starcrawl, and they said they hadn't. And so, after chatting for quite a bit, talked off my... I, I said to them something I think I've said on this podcast before, where getting a little bit of an almost existential angst, where every conversation I have, I start to wonder, oh, should I get my phone out? Should I record this? Would this be good content? But like I said at the Harry Quinn episode, the last episode, really, some conversations are just that, conversations. So we had a great chat. Then Yara and I said we'll see them later because we had to go, wanted to get some food and still I was on the hunt for Starcrawler to thank them in person. We got food, hung out a bit more in the bar, then went back to our seat and then Foo Fighters started. Now, yes, I'm a fan of Foo Fighters, but I'm not the biggest fan. I don't think I've ever listened to a Foo Fighters album all the way through, but I know Dave Grohl's reputation goes far and wide. He really is the nicest man in rock and roll. And I knew it would be a very entertaining show regardless. Like I said to some of the people I spoke to, to Joe and Kath earlier in the episode, later, I'm losing track of where I am. I think I've already... I'm talking as if you've already heard me talk to Joe and Kath, but you haven't. As you'll hear me say to Joe and Kath, I know when it comes to Foo Fighters, even if you like a couple of songs, you're going to be in for a great time because they have a great mood to all of their music that will just carry you through. And they opened with some absolute classics. The Pretender, One by One... The ones that everyone recognises. And so, at the start of the show, I thought, you know what? I'm actually the biggest Foo Fire fan ever. I love this. I'm loving every second. I was rocking along. I could see Harry and Sam from... Yeah, uh, I keep wanting to say Young Money. <laughs> I don't know why. I could see Harry and Sam from Free Money having a great time. I couldn't help but see Sean Keaveney and his crew having a great time. It was fantastic. Then they started to get into the deep cuts, and that's when I popped back and forth from the bar to my seat just to get... Drank, I don't even know how many cups of water I drank. That's the, another thing. Yes, it was great to have this fancy accommodation, but the bar is still extortionately expensive, so I was sticking to water for most of the night. And I also went to see if they would charge my phone because my phone was down to about 30% and the show had just started. So I was popping back and forth, back and forth, really enjoyed the show, and the stadium was packed. Even the seats that are right at the very, very top where you're wondering what kind of view you could possibly have up there. All of those seats were packed as well. The floor area, all the way to the back, wall to wall, just filled with people loving every second. It was a real, real sight to behold. And I felt, because I was on a seat and I could look down on the audience, I couldn't help but feel as if I was on the stage. There's just an energy that comes from that that type of performance that was absolutely contagious. A fantastic time. I stayed until the very end. Some of the other people in my area didn't stay till the end. In fact, I think of the whole stadium, my area probably looked the emptiest. I think it was probably filled with guest list industry type people who don't wor- don't mind too much about leaving early. I stayed till the very end because it's my first time seeing a show of this size. But I also knew it would mean getting home would take a lot longer. So I stayed about an hour after the show ended, just drinking it all in and charging my phone and waiting for most of the crowd to leave so I could get out of it in a more swift fashion. And my ears are still ringing today from yesterday's event. It was absolutely fantastic. Unfortunately, I never did get to see Starcrawler 
in person. I saw the show, but I didn't get to see them in person. I was rocking the Starcrawler t-shirt, as you'll hear Sean Keaveney acknowledge. Henry, I sent a bunch of messages to Henry saying, hey, if you're about, I'd really love to see you and just say thank you in person. Henry eventually replied saying, sorry, we didn't see you. And I, I felt compelled to reply, the last thing you need to do is apologize. I've had the most amazing day and it's all thanks to you. I cannot thank you enough. So Henry, Austin, Arrow, Tim, and Saul, their tour manager, who you again will hear on my episode with them, episode 77. Thank you all so much for your incredible generosity in giving me that guest list spot to check out the show. You were absolutely fantastic. The entire day was amazing, and I cannot wait to see you again. I understand, I mean, if you again listen to episode 77, you'll hear them say this is their longest tour that they've been on. So I believe they're heading home, or they headed home rather, early this day, Sunday. And this is Sunday, the the 24th of June, by the way, just in case whenever anyone listens to this. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope you rest up in between tours and I look forward to seeing you again. Yeah, this episode was an absolute delight to record and the whole day was just something special. I am hell-bent on someday being the band that can fill a stadium like that. And I would also love to get to go to Glastonbury on a similar ticket. I was saying to Yara during the day, the only way from here is up. The goal now is to, well not the goal, but a goal, which would be great, is if I could go to Glastonbury with a similar wristband that just lets you in everywhere. That would be outstanding. And Joe and Kath, thank you so much for talking to me. You were, fun, you were a lot of fun to hang out with. I hope you enjoyed the rest of the show. I didn't go back to see them. I stayed in my seat. But they had a fantastic view from where they were, and I hope they really enjoyed the show. Sean Keaveney, you are a, a gentleman and a scholar. I've never been called a zelig before, and if you listen to our interview, you'll know what I'm talking about. And yeah, I'd love to check out his digs. He does the breakfast show on Six Music. And Six Music is where you'll most likely hear the type of music that I go to see live, the type of bands that I interview. So if I've done Sean Keaveney, I've done Steve Lamack. If I get to do Iggy Pop, I think I might have a heart attack. But I'd love to check out the Six Music Studios. Just putting it out there in the universe, see wherever it leads me. I Let's see, how long has this interview, this intro been so far? 18 minutes! Well, I'm on a kick of trying to keep the first take, so I hope you enjoy all 18, 19, possibly 25 minutes of this intro. So, the conversations you will hear in this episode. First, I talked to Joe and Kath, who were there to see Foo Fighters. They'd seen them a few times. They travelled quite a way to see them, and I just got a little bit of a understanding of their history of live music in general. And then I speak to Sean Keaveney, the breakfast DJ on Radio 6 Music with the BBC. And then I guess I'll talk for another two hours afterwards. (laughs) Yeah, it was that good of a day. I'll let you I'll get I'll let you get on with the conversations now and I'll see you at the end with some sort of original music for me and a little bit of a farewell. So enjoy. Two shows which have been seeing these. Right. Because I'm streaming stuff having a baby. Alright, outside. So we're inside London Stadium. We are at the front of the second barrier and I'm here with a couple of die-hard fans of the Foo Fighters. What are your names? Joe, Kath. So, who got here earliest? We got here at about 11 o'clock this morning. 11 o'clock, and you? Walk around. We, we got into London about, well, about half past 11 and we got here at 4. Oh, you're late. Yeah. <laughs> we got here again. We went up for some tea and came back at 1 o'clock. 
call yourself a fan. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, just yeah, kidding, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So how many times have you guys seen the Foo Fighters before? My second. This is my third, but I've had, I've had tickets five times. The first time I had to not come because I was two weeks, two, three weeks off giving birth. So I thought I maybe need to give it a miss. Yeah. And then the second time I got tickets and I got stuck in Florida. So I didn't get back in time for the gig, unfortunately. Yeah. But, you know, these things, these are, they're centre tries, aren't they? I mean, stuck in Florida versus coming back to Milton Keynes. <laughs> so when, this is my first time ever seeing the Foo Fighters, yeah. Have you only ever seen them in large venues like this? Yes. Yeah. And do you normally get this type of spot? Try to get, yeah, of course you can. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, last year, because I was at the O2 last year, and I was about four rows back, and that's kind of as close as I've got. Although, actually no, in Sunderland, um, because of the nature of the stage, we were out um, where there was like a secondary little stage, and so we were quite a way back from the main stage and didn't think we'd see that much. But as we, as the show went on, Dave was running up and down, and then, the whole band came up through that section and played about half an hour and I was I was sort of second row back from that at that time so so when yeah. you're in this kind of spot in the crowd what is the atmosphere like during the show I've never been to a show like this in a venue like this are we moshing the whole night no not mostly kind of some, some people do but I don't I just like to I think yeah you watch. just kind of you, you kind of dance throughout yeah, but sometimes you'll kind of get a bit more energetic, but yeah, yeah. good sing-along, isn't it? Do you ever get to know the other people that are stood next to you? Oh yeah, yeah. Right. it's all very friendly, very, very friendly, yeah. And have you seen any, what other acts have you seen in stage? Seen in Slaves, they supported Kasabian in December, these are good. It's only a two-man band, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, one drummer, one guitar. Yeah, never good, yeah. Have you seen anyone else in this venue? No. No, first time. Yeah, first time. And what about venues like this? Have you, are there any other stadium bands that you'd like to go uh, see? I saw you two years ago, Birmingham. David Bowie, three times. Queen at Nebworth, before he got here. That was in 1986, I think. Jesus. So, so you're like a hardcore career classic rock fan. Do you remember the first show you went to? David Bowie. That was, you started with David Bowie? I started with David Bowie. Oh my God. Wow. And I got tickets for the second night, and uh -huh. I couldn't get tickets for the first night, so I went to the back of the, it was a, a big shed in Stafford, and I knocked on the door, and I gave somebody four quid, which is a lot of money, and even they got in. <laughs> and I saw Queen when they were before they got really, really big. And then I, they were at Stafford as well. And I was about 14, 13, 14. And then I saw them again at Nebworth. That was massive. That was 140,000 people. So who's getting you into David Bowie and Queen when you were 13, 14 when years ago? Other people. Bowie and um, Brian Ferry were the big... You were either, either, either camp. And I was a Bowie fan. And then I saw him again in 2003, exactly 25 years later. And I took Mark with me. And Mark went, oh my God, he's a god. And he was brilliant. You see, I look back to my dad's taste in music when I was a kid and I thought what on earth is he listening to but now I know when he's listening to Mud and that was like, my era yeah and, and he was just actually he's quite cool and I'm thinking <laughs> at the time when I was a kid yeah. I think what on earth are you listening to this is just rubbish but what scares me is my daughter who's 13 now she's like I don't She's kind of just starting to come around to rock music, but often, I mean, last year I tried to get her to, con to convince her that she needed to watch Glastonbury, and she's going to me, Mummy, it's just, it's just shouting a noise. <laughs> and I'm thinking, 
here. This is the wrong way round. Maybe she gets a little bit older. Yeah, she's coming yeah. round to it. But my three-year-old was um, was head banging this morning, <laughs> singing that final countdown. Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah. So Blue Fighters. Blue Fighters. Their favourite album of yours. a favourite song that they play live? Ever Oh god, that, that's really hard. I don't know because I, like I just it. love so much. You see, off the latest album, I love Run. I just kind of, I go wild in the car when that's on and the kids wonder what on earth's happening. Um, but aside from that, I don't, they're just so many, so many classics. That's one thing that really strikes me about them. There's not like one standout song. No. If you like one, you're going for a great time yes, for the whole yes, show. Yeah, but they yeah. just have, they hit such a perfect nerve. Yes. Like and Dave is just the nicest, nicest, yes. nicest man and ever. Apparently when he was in Manchester, he got the tram. Yeah, yeah. I was saying hello to all his fans. <laughs> what? Yeah, he, earlier this week, he got the tram into Manchester and was talking to local people. Jesus. That's how nice he is. I don't think he'd do it here. Because like last week, Jay-Z like, helicoptered it. Got the helicopter in. Mm -hmm. Grohl just drives around and just talks yeah. to people. I haven't seen him, but that's what he did in Manchester. So you and mentioned that your kids aren't too into your music. Is there any music they like that you also like? Oh, you see, my daughter really likes Imagine Dragons. Okay. And I quite like them, because uh, although they're not rock enough for me, yeah. they're still, they're on the cusp. And, they, you know, they're, they're clearly a good live guitar band. But, yeah. And, um, I mean... I've seen 30 Seconds to Mars as well. They're amazing. My, my seven-year-old really likes them. But he's not quite old enough to take along yeah. with us yet. And my 20-year-old likes somebody called Pellini, who's American. He's playing here in August. He's home before in Manchester. But he's more guitar than anything else. I haven't... He's got not bad music, <laughs> but he doesn't... He's seen the Foo Fighters with me, but he wouldn't come again. Oh. Really? Mm. Yeah. Here's loss. Here's loss, I, I say. I so who else are you planning to see this year? What else is on the calendar? I've just I've seen Stone Sour on Tuesday and that was absolutely amazing. I didn't think anybody could kind of match showmanship as Dave Grohl, but Corey Taylor was absolutely awesome. Um, and I'm seeing Three Days Grace later on in the air again at Nottingham. So really small venue and just kind of <laughs> get in there and get... Moshing, yeah, we've got nobody else at the moment, so this is so unless there's other gigs because Kasavian released a one off gig, that's how we only got tickets about two weeks they ago. They played um, the O2 Bristol, and also, well, they've just done the um, Isle of Wight last night, yeah. We watched them on the TV last good? night, yeah, yeah. I've seen those in Nottingham, yeah. But... I like that. Right, guys, thank you very much for your oh, time you. and enjoy Thanks the rest of your day. Lovely, you nice too. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I do like to give a bit of a sense of place, sense of environment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now I'm in the very fancy, very swish, like, <laughs> I don't know what to call it. It's the player's bar or something. And I'm with an equally fancy guest. What is your name, young man? Um, I've not been called young man since 1993. I'm, I'm Sean Keaveney from BBC Radio 6 Music. Did you, uh, how have you enjoyed the show so far? It's been really, well, you know what? I've not been here that long. I've, I've come with my youngest child, who's seven. Oh. And my girlfriend, because uh, my eldest, who is a massive Foo Fighters fan, at the last minute, it, for some reason, unbeknownst to me, been on, only to himself, just didn't fancy it, Roy. What? I think, to be fair, 
he's been doing too much sport recently, he's a bit tired. So it's just us three representing. So we've not long since been here. Um, uh, the kills have been fantastic, haven't they? Yeah. I've missed Starcrawler though. Yes, I am wearing my Starcrawler t-shirt yeah. I'm representing. I'm actually good? here because I've seen Starcrawler four times. Oh, I interviewed them on Wednesday and I forgot to get them to sign my vinyl. And I said, is there anywhere I can bump into you on Saturday? And he said, do you want to come to the show? Oh. So I'm here for free. Wow. So my, my mind has been blown the entire time yeah. I've been here. So seven-year-old is here. Are they Foo Fighters fans? Are they here because you've kind of uh, strung you know, on them? Well, a little from column A, a little from column B. But uh, <laughs> mostly they are huge fans of it, yeah. So, you know, we have Foo Fighters sessions in the car and... You know, we Spotify the ass off it, so <laughs> they love it, you know, all what, the big hits. What else is a family favourite? Um, they love, um, well, you know, kids are funny though, aren't they? But they start to enjoy the things that their friends like, like, um, yeah. you know, really bad pop. Yeah. Uh, but they but they really do love, uh, they love Zeppelin, actually, and stuff like that. A lot, a lot of heavy stuff, and the Beatles, they can't get enough of the Beatles. Is that your influence, then? So are you just kind of trying to slip in the odd Beatles song on the Spotify yeah. shuffle now and then? I think what always happens with kids is that when they're little, they, they have great taste because they like whatever you like, and then their friends start telling them to listen to... I mean, I, 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 I actually love Katy Perry, to be honest. She's the best of it, but, you know, there's a lot of... Despacito or things like that you know you have to listen to that endlessly exactly if you don't like it that's one thing but the fact that it follows you everywhere you go yeah yeah. it's painful so you're saying how kids tend to like what their friends like are you speaking from experience there is that how you got into what became your taste in music good question I, I got into my uncle Martin he's only two years older than me uh-huh. because it's a bit of a weird northern thing <laughs> yeah. we won't go into it it's just odd um, so um, he being that bit older and and his my uncle his older brother as well they had really good music taste so they had all the and it was the 70s and 80s so they had all the the great vinyl you know like Lizzie and Rory Gallagher and Led Zeppelin and Stevie Wonder and all that the so good stuff all the good stuff so that was how we got into it all you know that was the introduction and was live music did, did live music follow strictly behind like once you heard the record you started going to shows well, not immediately. Like, I, I think I was like 15 and, and, and with um, a few of my slightly older coterie of friends. In fact, that's when we started the legendary band Mosque, that some people may... Um, I mean, a very influential band. Um, but we were all massively into this weird uh, prog rock band called Jadis. Uh-huh. Who, uh, we're from Southampton and they used to tour and we used to follow them around drinking uh, you know lager and lime and stuff like that when we were 15 yeah. and that was our little way in and then from there on it was you know the bigger gigs and then festivals and so once you become part of the establishment I'll say in quotes you know part of broadcasting I imagine the shows you're going to are going from smaller venues to massive arena shows do you have a preference between the two I I, I really like I still when I do ever get out because I do a breakfast program so I'm, I'm up very early so early to bed I, I imagine I am and um, <laughs> it used to be that I could burn the candle at both ends but now I can't because I'm, I'm quite an old gentleman but when I do get out I like to go to the more you know something like Coco it's nice for, well actually I like Coco before bed as well but I mean Coco <laughs> see what I did there I like it uh, but it's the a pro guys a pro <laughs> see <laughs> yeah. um, but you yeah. know the, the sort of more intimate venues I do love and it's great if you can ever go and watch somebody at Dingwall still it's fantastic isn't it absolutely um, or, or, and, and there are loads of great ones out of London that I've not yet been to like 
Hebden Bridge, you know, and the Trades Club and all that. I want to do a tour of those eventually. Ooh. I want to. I want to eventually when I get my energy back, I'm gonna a bit like uh, Steve Steve Lamacu we've mentioned. Yeah. Uh, who's done his little book tour, mm-hmm. or his quite big book tour now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's quite extensive. So I, I would like to do that kind of thing. But yeah, those little venues. But that said, you know, we, we're thinking about doing a breakfast show from the O2. Oh, uh, so watch this space, you know. Is that an exclusive for the podcast? Yeah, I think it there. is, Roy. I think it is. Yeah, you spread the word for us, man. I knew this was worth it. <laughs> so, what does your gig calendar look like for the rest of 2018? Do you plan? Because I spoke to a few people nearer the front when I, I got a good spot for Starcaller and I felt us a little bit alone and cheering them on. Yeah. I think that's a bit of a double edged sword when you're supporting a big band yeah. and that's a venue. Yes, it's a massive venue, but you know, a lot of people are there for the headliners. Yeah talking to some of the people in the crowd who had got here early for Foo Fighters, seen them a few times, I got the impression they have maybe three or four bands they're going to see during the year. Uh, they're okay. big prestige yeah. shows, and that's pretty much it. That will yeah. do them for now. What about yourself? Because you've come up, I imagine, with a more voracious appetite going to all the bands you can see. As you become a working man, so to speak, that kind of reduces what you can see. Yeah. So where do you sit now? I, I, I remember saying at the end of last year that 2018 was going to be my year of gigs and I've been to about three whoa so, slow down then. I know I know come on breakneck speed isn't it I know um, so it's been an, an abject failure but I know why it's because it's pure exhaustion you know but but I'm I'm planning on I'm, I'm taking the kids to Latitude actually which will be great and and then I don't know I'm not I'm not organised enough you see that's what I need to do I need to get the gig guides. I need to start making some circles around yeah. and saying, but I'm not an organized person, Roy. See, me I'm a very disorganized man. I'm very disorganized and very broke, so I tend to go <laughs> yeah. for the free gigs, yeah. and it's often on the day that I'll decide, oh, I'll go to that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's how I ended up getting quite a few people on this podcast and going to gigs where oftentimes I'm the first person that's ever interviewed the band. Yeah. And that can, that can make things happen. It's why I'm here today, yeah, so it's who knows where that might lead. Serendipitous. It certainly You're is. You're going to be like the, the, the Zelig or Forrest Gump of the live music scene. <laughs> You're going to be everything for the next 20 years, I can tell. You've got the right attitude, mate. You're far too kind. Well, I've taken up enough of your time. Thank you so much for talking to Roy, me. It's been Enjoy a pleasure. the rest of your day. Thank you very much. And so where can we find this? Are you on Twitter? <sighs> and that was that. Thank you so, so, so much to Starcrawler, Henry in particular, for letting me come to this show and experience all of this. I couldn't, I physically could not have done it without you. Thank you very much. In fact, when Henry confirmed that I was on the list, my response to him was, Did you ever know that you're my hero? And I stand by those words. Thank you so much. Thank you again to Joe and Kath for your time. You were fantastic to talk to. And thank you to Sean Keaveney. I'm glad I didn't creep you out by approaching you. Thank you for being on the podcast. And yeah, I I do hope I get to see you again. You're alright, mate. You're alright. Thank you for listening to me ramble on and on. I promise not all of my episodes have incredibly long intros and outros. But it's the weekend. I was just in that type of headspace. So I'll get back to my more strict 10-15 minute limit. Or not. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I have definitely been slacking on my own music. I still have yet to make the backing tracks for me to perform with at the open mics. I still have yet to write more lyrics to some of the new ideas I have. I still have yet to work on the production of the demos I have. I have performed at some open mics now. I have performed at some open mics, though, rather. But I do need to keep 
the momentum going with that. I'm loving what's happening with the podcast. I'm back on the daily. I did technically miss a day on Thursday because I posted Thursdays and Thursday's episode went up just after midnight and then Fridays went up as well. So I did slightly miss a day there. My dad has completely caught up. He was a way behind, but because I had a bit of a gap, he's now caught up. So I spoke to him Saturday morning. No, no, I spoke to him Friday, and he had already listened to the two episodes I put up earlier that day. So he's a very, very keen fan of the show. And hello if there's any new fans that listen to this after finding out Sean Keeve and he was on it. Welcome. Once again, the episodes aren't normally filled with such long ramblings in the intro, but it's just been a really exciting weekend. A really exciting week. Wednesday was Starcrawler and Brand New Friend that I talked to. And speaking of Brand New Friend, I never did get that merchandise that I talked about in the interview, and I apologise for that. I said I'll make it up to them next time I see them. Thursday, I saw Lou perform at the Soho Music Month off Carnaby Street. Friday, I saw Harry Quinn. Saturday... Well, yesterday I saw Foo Fighters and The Kills and Slaves and Starcrawler. I forgot to mention I saw The Kills with Yara. They are a favourite band of hers. And then during Foo Fighters' show, Alison Mosshart, the one of the singers from The Kills, came out and joined Dave for a song. And Yara was very happy with that. When did I see? I saw, I saw Bookie on last Sunday. I saw The Big Moon. Oh, that was last week. I'm trying to think of all the shows I've seen this week. My head's all over the place. June's been a very, very busy month. And I couldn't be happier. My, I'm going to a wedding of an old friend next weekend. And I'm very nervous about that because it will essentially be a high school reunion with people I have not seen. Some, possibly for a decade. And at this particular moment... In, when I was in the secondary school, we had a yearbook and I was voted best legend. I know, probably not grammatically correct or whatever. Maybe it is, but I was very flattered to receive that. But at this point, I've very much lived up to the stereotype of peaking in high school because the friends I went to high school with, and I should really talk about this on that episode when I go to the wedding. Yeah, I don't. this doesn't need to be an hour-long episode, so I'll try and bring it back around. I'll try and focus on what's just happened now instead of cast my head, cast my mind too far ahead. I'm getting tangled up in words now. Right, so, what needs to happen next, as far as open mics are concerned, is I need to work on a backing track and start progressing with the type of performance I do and start working towards recruiting people to join me to play. Because talking to the folks in Free Money, they were talking about how they tend to play maybe a gig a week, smaller gigs, pretty much workshopping their material and their performances, etc., and what I failed to mention at the time of talking to them is, how do I get in on those gigs? How do I get to be your support band when you're doing those regular gigs? Because I, too, would love to work on my stuff and get start to get some exposure. That is what I need to work on. And after yesterday's episode, talking to Justin, I feel like I have an opportunity there to build upon. And who knows, possibly with Sean Keevely, maybe there could be something bigger happening there as well. Watch this space. As for today's episode, I typically play some sort of original music. Actually, assuming Sean listens to this, this will probably be his first ever episode of Saddest Night Out. And the tagline I use to explain it is, there's a book about punk bands in the 70s called Please Kill Me. There's a book about New York bands in the early 2000s called Meets Me in the Bathroom. I'm trying to write that book 
in real time, episode by episode on this podcast, as well as chronicle my own attempts to completely conquer the music world. So that's pretty much the long and short of it. I really am just rambling now. Okay, let's play some music. I normally end these episodes with some music. So what I shall do now, and I won't pause to do this, just let the microphone keep rolling, is I take my guitar, I plug it in, and then I turn on my pedal and my amp, which I am doing as we speak. My sister went to see Ed Sheeran last night in Cardiff, and she sent me a picture, and it looked like she was much closer to the stage than I was, which is fair play to her. In fact, you'll remember when I spoke to her for episode 75, she talked about how she saw Ed Sheeran way, way back in the day when he was still on the EPs. And I look forward to talking to her about that. Hey, that might even be a future episode, her giving me her review of the whole thing. Watch this space. The guitar is now plugged in. The question remains, what shall I play? I had something lined up as well. And it has completely escaped me. So I'll just play... This has just come to mind. This might be the last track of my second album. Knock on wood if and when that happens. I don't know if it has lyrics yet, but it has a little instrumental bit which goes like this. Wait, have I played this before on the podcast? I really don't know anymore. It's all becoming a blur. I've done... uh, Oh, this is episode 80. I forgot to mention that. Woo! We did it. Number 80. Thank you to everyone that's been listening for... It hasn't strictly been 80 days because there's been some gaps in the daily routine. But I'm I'm, I'm getting there. I'm going to count this week as a full week without missing a day. I know Thursday's a bit... But I'm, I'm counting it. So thank you to everyone that's been listening along. You can find me online at Saddest Night Out, all one word. I am on Twitter, the person who's followed by Sean Keevney now. Have I said his name enough times on this episode? Sean Keevney, Sean Keevney, Sean Keevney. Oh, yesterday was just so good. And so loud. In fact, I will end this episode with a little bit of audio from when everyone was leaving. And we'll just give you a slight glimpse of just how, how good the whole show was, how good the spirits were in that stadium. Ah, uh, what am I going to play? Okay, I'll play this. If I can play it. If I can play it. Oh god, I'm I'm all I'm all fingers and thumbs today. You know what? 
That'll do. I've put you through enough. Thank you for putting up with me for all 11 hours of this episode of this Night Out. I will see you tomorrow. Take care.